Good morning, everyone. Can we hear me? It's good to be in God's house. Thank you, worship team, for just preparing our hearts. You know, the worship refreshes me, strengthens me, and confirms God's word. It's always a joy and a privilege to bring God's word. Even, Pastor Rochelle, if there's a bit of short notice, because God is faithful to deliver his message. Amen? Amen. Well, I'd like to bring to you a message entitled, The Diamond of Faith. The Diamond of Faith. Ladies, how many of you love diamonds? Well, we live in 2023, so we've got to ask the men. Men, how many of you love diamonds? How many of you, ladies and men, are wearing a diamond? Well, you know, we're going to look at faith this morning. What is faith? To believe, to trust, and to rely upon. Well, that is absolutely true and correct. But faith is wrapped in spiritual truth that is deep and rich. And this morning, we're going to look at and explore and unpack faith. Faith is like a diamond. You know, a diamond sparkles and shines. A diamond does not produce light in itself. But when light falls on a diamond, that diamond sparkles and shines, and you see it in all its splendor. You know, faith we receive from Jesus. We don't have faith in ourselves, but we receive it, and then we can reflect Jesus. You know, diamonds not only sparkle and shine, but diamonds are precious and costly. You know that blue diamond that you see on the screen? That diamond is called the heart of eternity. That blue diamond is valued at $16 million. Diamonds are precious, costly, and rare. It is said that on average, one blue diamond is found a year. When the, uh, when the diamond, the heart of eternity, was found, it was found to weigh 777 carats. Now, I don't know much about carats, apart from the orange carats, but that number 777 <laughs> sounds like a very perfect number. Well, that red diamond, it used to be called the red shield. I'm going to call it the red shield because it's easier to pronounce in the new name. That diamond is valued at $20 million. The Cape Town Diamond Museum in South Africa states that there are only 30 real red diamonds in the world. But you know what? The most precious, the most costly diamond is the diamond of faith. It's the diamond that God paid for the price of your sins. God paid that price in full and incomplete. It cost him his all. It cost him everything. And this morning, we're going to look at the diamond 
of faith. Diamonds sparkle and shine. Diamonds are costly and precious. But diamonds are made in heat and pressure. Diamonds are formed in heat and pressure. You know, when you strip away a diamond, a diamond consists, is carbon. Carbon is found everywhere. It's in the atmosphere. It's in the ocean. You pick some sand and you've picked carbon. Carbon is found in rocks. Carbon is even found in your bodies. But carbon becomes diamonds when it encounters intense heat and intense pressure in the earth's crust or mantle, about 150 or 200 kilometers beneath the surface. And it erupts once diamonds are formed when a special volcano. Diamonds are like faith. You see, faith, for faith to grow, for faith to move mountains, for faith to walk on waters, faith has to be formed, shaped, molded, strengthened, and made mature in heat and in pressure. This morning as we explore faith, we enter into the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to first century Christians. Christians who were in heat and pressure. The Christians here were being persecuted. Intense persecution. Some were imprisoned. Some were beaten and assaulted. And some were in danger of returning to their old ways. Their faith was struggling. But some, in the intense heat and pressure, they dug their roots deep in Jesus Christ. Their faith grew to be courageous, brave, strong, and mature. They had faith like diamonds. You know, diamonds have many surfaces. My little girl in her, for a nap line, she's got to look at various three-dimensional objects. And it's horrendous. She needs to know how many shape, surfaces are on each of those objects, how many edges and how many points. As we look at the diamond of faith, I'd like us to see three surfaces. If you like three facets of faith, I'd like us to see the requirement in faith. What does God require in faith? I'd like us to see the character of faith. And then lastly, I'd like us to see the reward in faith. Let's pray. Lord, we come into your presence. We thank you that your word is rich. We thank you that you saved us by grace through faith. A faith that is precious, a faith that is costly. I pray, Father, today in your house, in this building, that hearts, Father, will respond to your call. I pray faith will be instilled. Faith will be injected. I pray faith will be inspired and faith will be built in your house. We ask for the blessing of your word. We ask for the anointing of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know where you're in life. You might not be persecuted like those Christians in Hebrews, but life itself might be beating heavy on you. 
the pressures, the stresses, the struggles, causing frustration and anguish. I don't know how your faith is coping, but I pray that from Hebrews, your faith will be strengthened this morning. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Can we just enlarge that slide? Thank you. Faith, the writer tells us, is the reality of what we hope for. Faith is built on hope. Hope for the sick. Hope for the dying. Hope for the lost. Hope for those who are with a heavy heart. Hope for those who are carrying a burden. Hope for those in despair. Faith is built on hope. But faith is reality. It is the reality of Jesus in your life. It brings the reality of Jesus in your circumstances. And faith is proof of those things we don't see. You see, for the unbeliever, seeing is believing. But for the believer, believing is seeing. For the unbeliever, seeing is believing. But for the believer, believing is seeing. In Hebrews chapter 11... This section is often called faith in action or examples of faith. Here the writer lists heroes of faith or champions of faith. You know, Pastor Bethan often at church calls out the champions at Real Life Church. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, God calls out the champions, the heroes from the beginning of time. Some of these champions are obvious, like Abraham, Moses, David. And some of the champions, well, are not quite so obvious, like like Abel and Rahab. The writer not only lists the champions of faith, but then he describes how this champion demonstrated, lived out their faith. We often say we are saved by grace through faith, without, not by works. And yes, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's true. That's true. But faith is a living faith. Faith does produce works. Faith does have fruit. And here, each of these heroes, we see their fruit. We see their work. We see their evidence. Because James says, faith without works is... This is a living faith. The diamond of faith is a living faith. The first hero or the first champion we're going to look at this morning is Abel. Abel. And if you can have the passage on Abel, yes, Let's see if my contacts work. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable or excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, we both, most of us know who Cain and Abel are. They were brothers. Abel was the younger brother. Cain was the older brother. They were the second generation of the entire human race. They make an offering to God, a sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice is accepted, but Cain's sacrifice 
is rejected. Abel's sacrifice is the sacrifice of a lamb that is slaughtered. Cain's sacrifice is the sacrifice of crops or grain. Did God have favorites? Did God not like his veggies? No, certainly not. Faith, church, produces real faith. Real life, church, real faith produces real worship. And real worship comes to God on God's own terms. Real faith produces real worship. Real worship comes to God on God's own terms. Now, Cain and Abel, whether they were prompted to make an offering or whether they were instructed to make an offering, I don't really know. Did God personally expressly give his instructions or were they even instructed by their parents? I don't really know. But remember, their parents... They walked with God in the cool of the evening. Imagine if your parents walked face to face with God. What an awesome experience, a heritage you would have. Until they sinned. And when they sinned, God performed the sacrifice. He gave a demonstration. He gave instructions of what a sacrifice was to look like. The sacrifice was the sacrifice of a lamb. A picture of Jesus, the diamond of faith. A picture of the Lamb of God who would have to die for your sins. The only sacrifice that was perfect. The only sacrifice that was complete. The only sacrifice that was acceptable. The only sacrifice that was excellent. Abel and Cain, both, this I know, knew exactly what God required. He required the sacrifice of a lamb. Abel gave to God what God required. Abel gave a sacrificed lamb. He gave it and it was his first portion. In other words, he didn't give to God his leftovers. His first flock, he picked the best. From the first, he gave the best. You know, worship requires God to be first. Worship requires that you give to him your best and nothing less. Jesus put it this way, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The Bible tells us, return to your first love. Repent and return to your first love. Real faith, church, produces real worship. Real worship comes to God on God's own terms. You can't negotiate. You can't bargain. You can't alter the terms. Because Cain's way is spoken of later as the way of Cain. The way of Cain is the way of reasoning and intellect. Human reasoning and human intellect that opposes divine revelation. God doesn't call us to be foolish. God has gifted us with intellect. But our intellect has to often come under submission and obedience to divine revelation. Cain said, I till the ground. I cultivate the ground. I'll give him my crops. 
The lettuce might not be fresh. The potatoes might be rotten. I'll give to him what I'm prepared to give. But God says, give me your best. The requirement of faith is that God requires your faith to be real. I'm reminded of Dr. Tony Evans, who spoke of the story when he took his boys to a TV studio in Florida. They did many activities there, but one of the activities, they got on a tram and they drove past these buildings in what looked like to be a city. The buildings were were beautiful and great. But the tour guide had to say, hang on, hang on. Those buildings? Well, Well, they aren't real buildings. You see, behind those buildings is an empty shell. You see, that's a facade. Cain's offering was like those buildings. He had the face of worship, but not the heart of worship. The requirement of faith is that your faith must be real. I'd like us to not only look at the requirement in faith this morning, I'd like us to look at the nature or the character of faith. I like to call it faith's birthmark. I don't know if many of you probably have a birthmark somewhere, but faith's birthmark is risk. I often say that the most foolish thing that I ever did, the riskiest thing that I ever did is the greatest step of faith I ever took. The riskiest thing I ever did, the most foolish thing I've ever done in my life, is the greatest step of faith that I ever took. You know, about eight years ago, I was prompted, I was led, and it was confirmed in my spirit that I should leave my job. I had a mortgage, I had a wife, and I had a little girl. And I stepped in faith, and God blessed. You know, God did something similar to a man, some, to a man called Abraham. Well, he took a faith that was not only risky, but radical. Abraham was living in this place called Ur in Mesopotamia. He was living in a sophisticated city. There were buildings, there was running water, even libraries. But God calls Abraham and says, go to a place. Leave your family. Go to a place that I will show you. Abraham obeys. And the Bible tells us that it is counted for him as his righteousness. You know, will you go where God leads? It says, Abraham went. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And go to the land I will show Could we have the next slide straight after that? Thank you. And Abraham went not knowing where he was going. Will you go into the unknown when God prompts and leads and instructs? You see, faith is risky. Faith is radical. God promised Abraham the promised land. But God promised Abraham not only the promised land, but he promised that he would be the father of many nations. He would bless his seed. That, his, that he would have peop- his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky, as many as the grain of sand on a seashore. 
But Abraham was 99 years old. And he could not see yet one star, nor one grain of sand. And when he's 100 years old, in the prime of his youth, God's promises are yes, true, and amen. And he has a son called Isaac. This baby grows to be a young boy. And God calls Abraham, and he tests his faith. He tests Abraham's faith. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. His faith is going to be tested like a diamond in heat and pressure. A faith that is not only risky and radical, but a faith that is ridiculous. He says, take this boy up to the mountain. And sacrifice him on the altar. A faith that is risky, radical, and ridiculous. Abel made an offering of a lamb. A picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Abraham would now make an offering of a son. A picture of God the Father who would lay down his own son. They go up the mountain and Isaac says, Dad, there's fire, there's wood. But where is the sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide. God will provide for you in your life, whatever situation you're in too. Abraham bounds Isaac. He lifts up his knife to kill his very own son. And God says, Abraham, Abraham. And there is a ram caught in the thicket. God provides a sacrifice. You know, faith is difficult because faith is risky. Faith is radical. And faith can even be ridiculous. But you know what? As we look at the diamond of faith, faith is real. Often there are fake diamonds I have some fake diamonds here. (laughs) Faith is real. Faith is risky. But faith has a reward. Faith has a reward. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30, we read of this reward. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. What are these walls of Jericho? The story is narrated in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. Who is Joshua? We read of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He is the new leader for the people of Israel. He takes over Moses. Moses is used by God to set God's people free. If you remember, God's people were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. Egypt is a picture of sin, captivity, and bondage. God uses Moses to set his people free. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you've left Egypt. You've left the land of captivity and bondage. And you've gone to the promised land. God uses Joshua to take the people into the promised land. We are in a Joshua era. We are in the promised land. But even in the promised land, there are 
Jericho's that need to be defeated. There are victories to claim, battles to fight, and faith to live by. Well, one of these enemies is the city of Jericho. Jericho is a very fortified city. It had walls that were 20 feet high, 8 feet wide. It was perhaps the most fortified city in Canaan. But Joshua, God tells Joshua, I have given you Jericho. My friends, you probably have Jerichos in your life. God has a battle plan to bring down Jericho. And his battle plan is still true today. God's battle plan to bring down Jericho is a battle plan of faith and worship. God instructs the armies of Israel to march around Jericho seven times for seven days. In that formation, at the heart of that formation, were priests, seven priests who had seven trumpets. Seven priests with seven trumpets would march around the walls of Jericho seven times. Behind the priests was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a picture of the person of Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus Christ, and the power of Jesus Christ. So these priests blowing their trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant and armies in front and rear guards behind would go around the walls of Jericho. You know, this was not a convenient faith. In fact, it was a risky faith. Because on top of the walls of Jericho, the enemy could be positioned. And the enemy were at a competitive advantage. When I was in grade five and I went to a boarding school in India, we were learning about forts and castles. And the teacher was an Irish man called Mr. Neagle. He took us over to this bank. It was a very steep bank, and he was on top of the bank, like the armies of Jericho on top of their 20-feet wall. And we were all, you know, 10, 11-year-old children at the bottom of the bank. And he said, all right, kids, come up the bank. So we come up the bank, and then he pushes us over, and we go rolling down. That would be child abuse in today's day. (laughs) The people of Jericho had a competitive advantage. It was a risky faith. It was a ridiculous faith. But they marched around seven times, and on the seventh day, they marched seven times. And as they marched, apart from the sound of trumpets, they were to be silent. You know, when you have a Jericho, you have to exercise faith. It's not a faith that you put in a microwave and it's done in two minutes. It's a faith that has to be exercised continuously. And they did it silently. And often when we come to God, we have to wait and be silent, allow him to speak. On the seventh day, on the seventh time, Joshua gives the signal there's a war cry. And the walls of Jericho come falling down. There is a reward in faith. And it is a reward of victory. You've got to exercise a faith that is real, a faith that is risky, a faith that is radical, a faith that is ridiculous, a faith that is formed and shaped only in heat and pressure. But with that faith comes the reward of victory. Not only is there a reward of victory, 
but there's a reward of righteousness. You see, in that walls, there was a young lady, a lady who was from a pagan city who was living a pagan lifestyle. Her name was Rahab. And the Bible rolls out the red carpet for Rahab and calls her a champion of faith, a hero of faith. Because Rahab, though she was a pagan, living in a pagan city, who lived a pagan lifestyle, she knew that this God of Israel was the real deal. And she chose to have real faith. And in Joshua chapter 2, when Joshua sends out spies to look out Jericho, nearly fell off, to look at Jericho, (laughs) she gives shelter to them. She hides them on her rooftop. And when the, Canaan, when the enemy comes and says, where are the spies? She lies. But she is not commended for her lies, but she is commended for her faith. And she puts out a red rope from her window, a picture of the blood of Jesus, and the spies escape. She makes a deal with the people of Israel, and the Bible says she was spared. You know, when you choose to exercise a faith that is real, God responds. God does not look at your history or your past. In fact, God has a soft spot for sinners like Rahab. We have lived a life that is a life of shame, but God has his arms open wide. The altars are open wide. Come to the altars, we sang. His arms are open wide. He gives redemption to the Rahabs. He gives redemption to the Abrahams. He gives redemption to all who call on his name. You know, Rahab really does receive a red carpet. For her name is listed in the lineage of Christ. God not only saves her, but grasps her in to his family tree. God wants to graft you in to his family tree. He wants to give you the reward of victory to bring your Jerichos down. He wants to give you the reward of righteousness. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, look to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who died for your sins, who paid the price in complete. This morning, I'd like us to conclude... And as we conclude, we want to be silent, just like the armies of Jericho were silent as they walked around the walls of Jericho. I'll have the worship team up, thank you. Let's have a moment of silence, and can I get everyone to stand up to honor God's presence, for he is real and he is in the house. As the music plays, I'd like to simply ask two questions this morning. The first question is, have you received the Lamb of God? Have you received Jesus into your heart? Have you received Him by grace through faith? If there's anyone here who hasn't received the greatest gift, the costliest diamond, Jesus Christ. 
God wants to roll out a red carpet for you. He pours out his blood for you. If there's anyone there, can you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anyone here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior? I'm just going to look across. Is there anyone like that in this house today? Does anyone need to be washed to be redeemed? Secondly, is there anyone in who is having a Jericho. Life is tough. Life has its trials. Life brings heat and pressure. Does anyone want to be prayed over? Can you slip up your hand? Can you come to the front in faith? Just as the armies of Jericho walked in faith around the walls of Jericho, this morning, can you come up to the front? And let's claim the name of Jesus the banner of Jesus. Let's have a moment of silence and then have a war cry of faith. Jesus, I'll wait for a few more seconds. Just make a bit of room for the lady. Let's do something radical because faith is risky. Faith is radical. Let's bow the knee and I'd like to pray for everyone. Lord, we come into your awesome presence. We claim the promises in your word. We claim the promise of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We pray that you would build faith in our hearts. Father, faith that stands strong in heat and pressure. Faith that does not melt, but faith that is shaped and formed and sparkles and shines with splendor. Jesus, even in the midst of pain and anguish, even in the midst of hardships and trials, may we come forth as gold. May we be refined. And Father, may we receive your anointing, your spirit. Lord, I pray I pray for your anointing. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to fall. May your spirit touch and heal. May your spirit bring healing. May your spirit bring strength. May your spirit, Father, give us power and might. May your spirit give us courage. May your spirit give us boldness. May your spirit help us walk on waters. May your spirit part the waters. May your spirit move mountains. May your spirit carry us. May we fly, Father. May we soar. May we see the walls of Jericho fall down. May we be shaped and molded for you, for your glory, in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless his spirit that dwells in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.